You're listening to episode 39 of the Business of Making podcast. This week, we're talking about how to prepare for markets and shows. We hope you enjoy. Do you want to make it as a maker? This is the Business of Making podcast with your hosts, Michaela Denvis, Deb Engelmeyer, and Jess Van Den. We know from experience that growing a handmade business is bloody hard work. We're here to make it a little bit easier for you by dishing out reality-based, no BS, tried and tested advice on how to make your business work. Tune in every week for an honest conversation on what it really takes to make a creative business a success. Hello, everyone, for another week of the Business of Making podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I am Michaela Danvers, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Deb. Hello. And Jess. G'day, everyone. And this week, we're going to be talking again about markets because we talked about this in a previous episode a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was episode 36. And we said we would do a whole episode on markets, and that's what we're going to do. But before we begin, I want to give a shout out to a reviewer and reviews. We love reviews. How much do we love reviews, girls? A lot. Not only does it make us feel good, which is nice, but it also helps um, to, you know, get the word out about the podcast and let other people know about what we're doing and, yeah, spread the word. So Cricket Broadhurst has left a review for us. Thank you so much, Cricket. Uh, This review says, relevant, frank, and funny. I have been listening to Jess and Deb individually for several years and have always found their topics and podcasts to be relevant and fresh and actionable. Now they have both teamed up with Michaela Danvers to create the business of making podcasts and I am fast becoming an avid fan. Do yourself a favor and subscribe and then gorge on their relevant, no-nonsense advice delivered in a fun and engaging way. That was a beautiful review. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, so Cricket. Much. You're great. Love you. So, yeah, leave us a review and maybe you'll get a little shout out too. And do subscribe. Do subscribe. That would be Just great. Just subscribe, yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> do that. That'd be great. Okay, so we're going to dive into this week's episode and it is all about markets and specifically how. What, what specifically are we talking about? Preparing. So Preparing. We, yeah. we've talked about, um, I think we, the other week we talked about why you, why you would bother doing markets. Mm-hmm. And there's a few other topics we want to cover. So today we're doing, you know, how do you prepare well for mm-hmm. a market or a show so that you're set up to succeed basically. Mm-hmm. If you've missed the episode about market, it was episode 36 in case after this one you want to go back and listen to it. So this was more about should you sell at craft markets and, you know, why is it maybe a good thing to try out? That's mm-hmm. 36, just dropping that in. So uh, I've done a lot of, uh, I guess, blog <laughs> posts and, you know, social posts and all that kind of thing about preparing for markets because that's where most of my audience is. They're, they're just thinking about it, they're a bit nervous about going to their first market. First of all, they're not sure how to apply for a market. But then when you do go, your first, you know, I would say three, six, 12 months of it can be quite hectic and chaotic and a bit um, stressful. So I've done a lot of stuff with my students around, yeah, basically preparing and making the most out of it and having checklists and, you know, strategies to deal with that stress. Um, but, yeah, what what are you guys? Well, that's great that you say that because I have many questions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true because, you know, as I was saying, again, episode 36, I've done a couple of markets myself, but it's not – I'm more the online girl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Same. 
And I'm also, I can be very social and friendly and ex- extrovert or whatever, but I, there's a, I'm also quite shy. Like I'm not, you know, if you were to meet me in real life, I wouldn't necessarily be jumping around and being like, hey, welcome. And this is what I sell. So <laughs> I feel like if I was to get ready for a market tomorrow, well, first it'd be like, how do I apply and all of that? And then there'll be like stock. Like that's a question that is asked all the time. Uh, and then how do I prepare myself to like, um, talk about my products and stuff like that. Like I'd feel definitely anxious on that. And should I keep going? I've got so many more questions. <laughs> well, I think the first thing and we should start with is, well, one, how to assess the markets and how to choose the right market mm. and then how to apply for it. How about we start there? Yep, yeah, most definitely. I think that's a really important, super important point that people don't do, especially if you're in an area where perhaps there's not that many markets. Like in, I assume, Debbie, you might not have, you know, a thousand markets to choose from that people might be able to apply for and simulate here in Canberra. Like we have a few really big ones, but then, and there's a smattering of small ones, but if people are going to markets, they're generally kind of going to all of them and there's a distinct difference in target market and you know, mm. the types of wares mm. that are there and that really affects their success rates at the markets. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's really, really important to think about that. So would you just stuff. go? Like I, th- I think my advice would be just go to the market. Attend like, visit. Yeah, yeah. Visit. unless it's yeah. going to be like a, a bigger market that's actually not in the city where you live and you're like this is an actual like travel, you know, work travel thing that I'm doing. But if it's a run where you are, like attend it more than once, you know, mm. to sort of get an idea of how many people go, what are the sellers are selling, like is everyone selling jewelry and it's just crowded, you know, what kind of what's happening there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's really important. So where I live on the Sunshine Coast, there are like 10 bazillion small markets. Like it's just, there are so many handmade craft markets. Um, So we have the Umundi markets, which are like a permanent market, which are on twice a week. They're like one of the biggest in Australia um, where you have to basically apply to be almost a permanent store holder. And then we have a whole bunch of smaller weekly or or fortnightly or monthly markets. Uh, A lot of them are, artisan markets and so I've gone around and visited um, a lot of these over the past few years since I've been living here and there's like there's a huge difference between them like you know there's the general vibe of they're usually on the weekend we're in a you know we're in a uh, beachy slash hinterlandy area so there's always the tourist element here um, but there's also you know the the sort of hippie hipster element there's a lot of that here so but different markets in different little towns around appeal to perhaps slightly different audiences and they have a different feel vibe or whatever so definitely attending them like deb said a couple of times if you if you can if they're not like once every six months or something if they're Mm. like monthly or weekly especially if they're weekly go a couple of times see who else is there see who else is there regularly Mm. because there'll be some people who are constant consistent soul holders will be going back over and over again and um and see how you would fit in mm. with that particular crowd would you yeah. what would what do you think about talking to people who are selling there and just being quite honest saying hey like love you know just t- talk about the products and get to know them mm. more and then say actually i make soap myself and i was thinking about maybe applying to those markets how are you finding it or you know just getting some feedback from them because if you start getting a lot of people going eh, not you know it's okay it doesn't do so well um what do you think about actually talking to the people who are already selling at the market and just obviously getting to know them and their craft and you know their brand better, but also just going, Hey, how are you finding the market? I'm making this or that myself and I'm considering applying because then you can sort of gather a bit more like insider information. Yeah. I think that'd be great. 
I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Obviously not a direct competitor. Yeah. <laughs> that might not well, be someone who makes what you make, someone who makes something slightly different. Also, yeah. I guess just in that being aware of like how busy that person is at the time too, maybe when it's yes. a little bit quieter so you're yeah. not yeah. interrupting them from making a sale. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, be conscientious of that. But yeah. And get a vibe for the person as well. Like some people you just tell do not want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we'll have more to say about that in our next episode. Um, but, you know, some people are just real garrulous and friendly and do want to just have a chat. So pick those people. Yeah. Probably- yeah. yeah, I think um, it's hard though, like when depending on what questions you're asking those people, if you are asking questions like how are the markets, like do you make enough money, whatever, that's mm. probably a bit crass to ask that. But um, yeah. even if you did feel comfortable asking that and they wanted to answer, it is not take it with a grain of salt because mm. markets are so up and down and can be fickle depending on what other events are on and all that kind of thing. So if you go and talk to two different people at a market and they say, oh, no, don't apply here because I don't make any money, like Mm. that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) So, um, well, it might not mean anything and it might. So, yeah, just be careful with the the information that you do gather. Know Mm. that it's anecdotal and it's not a – it's not a – it might not be a whole like look at the whole – event mm. yeah sense. and find you know if the person's a regular attendee or not like mm. how long have they been coming here yeah how's it how's it been going mm. over time like if you can you know if you're lucky enough to stumble on someone who's a regular attendee that's a, a good thing definitely yeah, definitely i remember going to visit a friend selling handmade like crochet beautiful like high-end crochet stuff um and she was positioned directly next to someone who it was not a handmade market and they had mm. imported beanies you know from china or wherever <laughs> and oh now my like god and bucks and she's like this is ridiculous like i can't sell anything. like yep that's unfortunate so yeah. yeah really knowing the market is super important before you go yeah that is really bad really bad from the yeah. organizers yeah 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 so yeah get, get a feel because some markets will be flea markets and that's not where you want to be exactly because <laughs> people are not going to buy high end no. like, that's not why they're attending those markets they're going to get no. a bargain so yep. Yeah, you really need to know, even like when you're visiting too, not just talking to the um, stall holders, but just like observing the audience, Mm -hmm. like observing who the people are that are coming in, like are they... People watching. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly, people watching, just seeing what they're doing and, yeah, what kind of people they are and what kind of stuff that they're buying and all that kind of stuff. Are they your target market? Yeah, are they? Because that's super important, like don't Mm. go if they're not. And there's definitely cities and even inside, depending if you're in a big city, different neighborhood that would have different demographics. Mm -hmm. And some where you will be able to see how these people come and they're happy to drop a couple hundred dollars on this really fancy piece of blah, blah, blah. Whereas in some other areas, it's like they're here for like a small little gift, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that that can help you as well bring the right kind of stock to your market, which is like maybe my bigger, most expensive pieces aren't going to sell well, but I could make some smaller item that I would sell at the market instead. And so it just kind of help you strategize as well what you're going to bring because you you're not you don't have to bring everything that you sell online. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, really good point. Um, so let's talk about applying to markets. There are a vast range of different levels of application. Like if you're applying for something like the finders keepers or the big design market, which are a couple of big uh, multi city markets here that travel around, there's a lot of information you have to give them whereas for a smaller mar- local more local market it might just be you know here's my name here's my website <laughs> yeah give me your 30 dollars that's it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. 
And and that's another thing I just want to touch on is the return on investment. So, you know, if you are doing a small local market, it's going to be, you would hope it should be pretty affordable like mm-hmm. to do it. Um, whereas those bigger markets are an investment, like they can be hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Thousands, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, in, in fees to do it. So when we're talking about the rest of these things, we're going to be talking about like preparing stock and and preparing your market store setup. It's going to be different for a little local market, you know, at the school or the hall in your town versus preparing for one of these massive design markets. Hmm. Would you recommend like prep, like sort of practicing at smaller markets before you apply to a big one or just going yeah. fully in? <laughs> yeah, I'm asking the question. I kind of have the answer, but I was like... <laughs> a rhetorical question here like especially just preparing yourself as well like in terms of how to talk and present and how to set up your you know like how it actually is going to look like and all of that i think it's great if you can do the smaller one that Mm. aren't expensive before you apply to the big guns yeah i think um i kind of have two answers here like in terms of the setup and um like visual merchandising and just getting yourself comfortable talking to customers yes 100 percent go to as many as you can practice 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 um but in terms of actually like being at those two different kinds of markets i think they're so incredibly different that Mm. no matter how much practice you do at smaller ones it's just not i mean it will prepare you but the big ones are just going to be different and it's a Mm. different audience and you're there for a different reason as well so um yeah it's just so different (laughs) so (laughs) it's hard to sort of practice for that experience Mm. specifically i think yeah. yeah. Well, I've done both. I've done um, the smaller markets and I did a finders keepers one year, although I did it with my magazine. So mm-hmm. that's very different yeah. to doing it with my handmade work. So I do have an idea of what it's like to be at one as a store holder, but the preparing side of things is, was a bit different. Mm-hmm. And for those who are saying, what magazine? I, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it was one I used to have called Bespoke. So don't go try to find that. <laughs> I'm so nostalgic from the time magazines were just a thing and blogs know, didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, I'm nostalgic for when blogs were a big thing. <laughs> yeah, true. And you're like, oh, you've got a blog. Wow. Can we do a little side note here? I last year taught a publication design unit at, at uni and uh, the students who were like, you know, around 18, never bought a magazine in their life, didn't really understand why we were designing for a magazine. I'm like, hmm, good point. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's really sad. That's, that's, so sad. that's how the world is so yeah, yeah it's it. so sad and i like honestly i don't know it's just not the same thing is it anyway we're not going to go into yeah. the magazine thing. Like, i was going <laughs> to go and i was committing to attention there and i just caught myself and i was like whoa no you're committing right, to this Deb, Deb, thing. Come back. <laughs> but anyway yeah i miss magazines oh i still buy magazines myself i love them mm. so um we were up to the preparing uh, applying for market yeah Mick, think, you probably um, have the most experience here Yeah, I mean, I think I've talked about this previously in that I uh, personally don't really have the fear of trying things um, because I just go ahead and jump and do it. I um, don't really hold myself back in that way, but I know a lot of people do and a lot of people do have that fear of applying. I guess it's the fear of unknown. It might be actually a little bit of fear of success even. And then like if they do get in and like they've got to panic because then they have to make all the stuff to be able to take and whatever that fear is, that's something that, everyone has to work through themselves but in terms of like how do you apply literally like look up the website for the market if they don't have a website uh that's a little bit trickier obviously um you might need to talk to other stallholders and ask like who the person is to talk to maybe you have to call someone um but each market is going to have a different application process but just bloody well do it like fill out the form Mm -hmm. have your photos ready to go like 
there's no harm. I mean, the the biggest market here in Canberra is Handmade Canberra and it's on quarterly and it's very competitive. Um, I'm not sure the breakdown anymore, but it used to be mostly local, but now we have a lot of interstate, like I don't know, maybe like 60% interstate, that could be a lie, um, designers come for it and it's, yeah, super competitive to get into. So people get rejected a lot, like for years, mm-hmm. you know. I was lucky to get in when it was just starting. So um, if I were to apply now with anything, I'm sure I would be on that waiting list for a long time. Really <laughs> yeah. But you just have to keep trying and keep taking on the feedback with each rejection when they say, no, we have too many of that product or no, your product is not good enough or no, for whatever reason, take that feedback on board and then improve what you're doing and then just try again later. Like it's not a rejection is not um, a reflection of your value. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it has nothing to do with how, yeah, nothing to do with you and your value. It just, it's a whole number of things of what a rejection might mean. So yeah, you just got to keep trying and just do it. And then once you get the okay, then you dive in. Yeah, I agree. Just, just apply, mm. just try and start. If you're scared, start small, start, start local, small. make yep. it as easy as possible and then work your way up. Yeah. I mean, that's what I try and tell people here is when they're, they try to apply for perhaps handmade camera or something as big, like as their first market. And so of course they're going to get rejected because they've never done a market before. I'm like, dude, why are you started so big? Like <laughs> start with the, you know, government funded little three hour free <laughs> market at the business park where mm-hmm. you can go and they give you a gazebo and they give you a sign and all you've got to do is set up your table and stand there for three hours. Like that's where you start. And you, mm. you know, like just practice, practice, practice little steps at a time and then you can take the big leap later when you have more experience. Mm. So say we've been, we've been uh, I was going to say we've been applied. I don't know what that means. <laughs> we've been accepted. Um, two things. There's going to be stock questions like how much stock mm-hmm. and then also like prepping for it in terms of like what is the table going to look like and display and, you know, like how – much do you commit into that? I know some people go crazy and they start building those crazy display. Others are like, I'm just going to go with like a, pretty much a tablecloth and, and then that's that. Um, and there's a gazillion options in the middle. So how do you prepare best for that so that it's actually attracting people to your style? Well, this is where I think having been to the market is useful because mm-hmm. you'll get a feel for what everyone else is doing. Like if everyone else just has tables under a marquee, you probably just have, you're probably fine to just do tables under a marquee. But if everyone, like if you go to like Handmade Canberra or, or Finders Keepers or whatever, everyone has these beautiful like shops yeah. basically. Yeah, shop, Not yeah. everyone, but some of them. Mm. So that's where you kind of get a feel for what the level is. And if you're really competitive, you might want to, you know, at that local market, you might want to make sure yours looks a little bit more special than others to draw attention. Like mm. those are all tools you can use to draw people in. Um, a few, just a few notes on that. Be really aware of, how people interact with your store. So I've seen some really bad designs where people have like uh, a table that's blocking people from getting in deeper to the stall and stuff yes, like that. Yes. Or they've had it where they there's a, there's a narrow entrance and then the shopkeeper stands there and you're like, nobody's going to walk past you to get into your store. Mm-hmm. So you need to be aware of that. Make sure that whatever the design is, it's very easy for customers to get to your product without you being in the way and without anybody else being in the way so that they don't feel like people just walk by those stalls. They don't go into them because they're intimidated by I them. I definitely would not go into that because yeah, I mean, either I was scared when you explained it. I'm like, I, like, so if you do have a stall that you're walking into, my tip would be to also have products along the front that people can still look at 
Yeah. But they don't have to actually enter. Like you need to be flexible in the types of people that are going to be there because some people are fine. They'll just, you know, barge in and look at everything and not care if there's stuff in their way. But I'm like, no, there are two people in there. I'm not going in. There's too, too many people. Like, <laughs> they might even talk to me and stuff. Oh, no, yeah. no, what? Imagine that. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh my God, this person looking at me, she's going to do small talk with me soon. No, <laughs> no, make it stop. <laughs> Pretty much. So don't, so yeah, I mean, that's how to interact with your customers. We'll leave that for the next episode. But just when it comes to your store design, really do think about that. Make sure that you are, you have a space in your store that you can be that is accessible, but not in anybody's way. Mm, yeah, that's really important. I think of, um, someone I know does a great store layout, which is very open, but there is no space for them. But he just stands out in the like corridor because he's a dude, I don't know, like he has the confidence and he just has his, um, I don't even know where he keeps the money to be honest. I have no idea, but he utilizes the space so well that it's not Mm. a problem. But I can see that being a massive problem for some people, especially if you have to do any like packaging or wrapping, you need that you know, actual counter space to be able to do that, which obviously mm. encroaches on your sales space. So yeah, that, these are all things that you need to think about. And I mean, for me personally, my stall setup evolved over four years. And I think by the last year is when I was happy with it. And I had a really good system of having everything to be able to pack away super easily and get out really easily all in a specific order. I could do it super mm. quick. I could do it in like 10 minutes sort of thing. Um, but it took a long time to get there. And when we're talking about like traffic flow and the design of your space, this is like, you know, people go to university to learn interior design and, and like, <laughs> and like visual merchandising, like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. like units of big, that stuff. Yeah. Big topics. So don't feel bad if you don't get it right, right away. Like mm. it's going to be a process to figure out what's going to work best for your mm. store. Please put prices on things. Please put prices on things. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I remember having a in um, my membership community about that. Someone was like, what do you think? Put the price, don't put the price. I've at least printed on the side, but the price isn't on it. And I'm like, whatever you do, you need the price on there because so many people that will be interested, me included, that would be me as a customer. I'd be like really interested in this bracelet, but I have to talk to this person to ask the price. And then I'm committed to that conversation. And if I don't buy it, they're going to think it's too expensive, which is like my head is already overthinking everything. You've sent me into an anxiety thing. So it's like, (laughs) don't do that to people and just put a tag. And then if they think it's a decent price, I'll just, you know, like act on that. But yeah, it's it's just, you need, you need the price for sure. It doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything to not have the price, to be honest. No, yeah, I don't. I don't really understand. Um, what like what would be the reason for not having? So you can. I don't know. I really don't know. Running out of time to prepare yeah, or yeah, something, or wanting like <laughs> wanting to engage the customer. Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking, but I just that's a bad. Strategy. I think the conversation we were having in the community was more about. Uh, it ended up being more about is it like because it was jewelry and it was like is mm-hmm. it going to be like a small little taggy thing like you know those baby tags so like the logistics of the actual yeah or is it going to be like at least printed and yeah, what's right. more looks more upscale because it was really nice fancy jewelry mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. is having a tag like just kind of well if it's that fancy maybe each piece should be in its own box and then the tag can be on the box like yeah, and honestly like if you go to a jewelry in town somewhere uh like a big one they have tags on tiny mini one whatever they call they're really cute that's yeah, a little stand it. yeah <laughs> it's just accepted as like what you do for, yeah. for this type of product um i think that just comes down to your 
overall brand, like what yeah. your brand. And personally, when I was doing jewellery, uh, because mine was in the lower price range, so I had a lot to take, mm. I gave up on the tags per per item because it was just too much. So I would have little um, like little stands with like mm. these are all $15 and these are all 20 Yeah, and that works. 45 yeah. But if they were super high end and I wasn't taking as many, then, yeah, tags might be okay as long as it, yeah, suits your brand. Mm, yeah, so that's an important one. And let's talk a little bit about um, like a, ch- a preparation checklist as well of all the things. Like we were talking just before about, you know, you're still set up. Remember you have to have a place for your FPOS machine or your phone, however you're taking payments, you have to have a place for bags and maybe sticky tape to close the bag and business cards and wrapping paper and <laughs> a pen. And <laughs> like you need somewhere that that stuff's all like accessible to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have like an apron that I would wear, that I'd keep a lot of stuff in. Somewhere for the money, you need somewhere secure for that to be stored. Uh, not that many people use actual cash these days. It's a different world. But you have to have have an organisational schema for all of these things. Mm-hmm. Hey, Maker, are you loving the Business Making Podcast? We're loving bringing it to you, but we really need your support to make sure that this show keeps going into the future. You can support us by becoming one of our patrons on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. We have a few different membership levels. You can get things like behind the scenes and extra special content, uh, a link to your business from our website, and even maybe a shout out on the show and more. Just head on over to thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash support and you can get all the information there about how you can become one of our Maker Mavens insiders and help this show to grow and flourish going forward. Yeah, so I had something really uh, similar again when I was saying that I took sort of three years to kind of figure it all out. And then when I did figure it out, I had a whole box like just for that stuff. And now I have a checklist that has like exactly what I need to take and all the different, because not only like the scissors and the like spare markers and sticky tape and blue pack, the extra <laughs> stuff, also just like table covers. Like if you get to a market and you have everything except not your table cover, like that's kind of a disaster. <laughs> you know, like everything's going to look really shit. No beow, 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 beow. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a really good idea to have a checklist um, of what you need to take. And for this week we've made uh-huh. a freebie for you guys um, that you can print off and take with you and just make sure that you have all the stuff well, when, before you take with you when you are getting <laughs> going, packing everything up that you can go through and check everything off. So if you want to download that, you can head to thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash market prep and, uh, yeah, just pop your email in there and you'll be able to go to the download page and grab that straight away. Should be helpful, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, even stupid things like a bottle of water. Yes. <laughs> that you might not think about. A yes, snack. A snack. So that you're not starving. Yes. A snack that doesn't make your hands dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, all these like forget about that first Chocolate brownie, you know. <laughs> nachos. <laughs> nachos, yeah, great. Yeah. Make sure it doesn't make like get stuck in your teeth. Mm-hmm. That's another good one to remember. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or make your face dirty. Yeah, actually, we've got to go over that list again because it's been so long since I've done a market. It's funny whenever I um, think about going to a market again, I'm like, yeah, I really, like I do miss it. I would like to go again. And then 
so after a couple of years off, I did go and do another market and then I'm like, oh, no, that's right. I'm, I'm okay with not doing markets anymore. <laughs> but I really enjoy still like helping other people with their first few years of markets because it's so, I find the visual merchandising part of it so exciting. Like I really love figuring out the best setup mm. and, you know, working out your different heights and the different, um, mm. you know, ways to display things so people can look and touch and feel and not steal and like so you can see all your stuff and keep an eye on everything but still is really interesting to the customer and gets them to you know want to make the purchase mm. so that's interesting what you just said because obviously it's going to change depending on what you sell like if you sell mm-hmm. uh clothing it's not going to be the same as if you sell ceramics or something mm-hmm. but this idea of different heights is really important like i think mm-hmm. the the worst and it's not like a catastrophe if you done that but it's definitely very basic is to have everything laid on flat on a simple mm. table and then that's that it just looks a bit meh you know like really it's very boring very boring yeah let's be honest yeah. you really want to prop some stuff up to give a bit more dimension to that table of yours because and also because it's going to attract people from a distance a bit more because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're going to see stuff before they're actually right above the table yeah yeah so- and if you can, like I've seen some great stalls with like if you sell tea towels or something or that you can hang it up behind you or hang examples around and stuff, like take advantage of all that space. Take advantage of the space behind you and on the sides of your stall to to put a big banner up or, you know, something like – because, you know, I make jewellery. So I'm a, I created a banner to hang up behind me with big enlarged pictures of my jewellery on it so people could, from a distance can see, oh, there's a jeweller over there Yeah, because mm-hmm. they can't tell from <laughs> – yeah exactly it's so true I think um again depending on the market that you're attending if you're just going to like a little free one as a practice run you might not be wanting to invest in you know building a whole setup but once you are to that stage of going to a more high-end market if you do not do that you will be the one that no one goes and visits (laughs) one is going to like all their stalls are going to be super polished and really well thought out and well designed Um, but one thing to keep in mind with that too, is you need to be able to transport all of that stuff and you need to be Mm. able to set it up possibly by yourself. I always did my markets by myself. I didn't have help. Um, because usually I had a baby at home, so (laughs) my husband was, uh, with the baby. So yeah, and that's fine. Like I wanted to do it myself, but I needed to make sure that it was transportable and I have a very small little Honda Jazz, so I can't fit a whole lot of stuff in there. And again, this is where the checklist came in handy and the order and process that I did stuff in because I would pack everything into the car and then get it out of the car in the correct order to then set up as efficiently as possible. And then at the end of the day, I'd be able to pack everything down in their specific boxes and pack it all back in the car really quickly and easily. And it was like full to the brim, like I could hardly close the door, but (laughs) it was the same every time and it worked really well. So when you are thinking about like extra height and, um, you know, different, you know, boxes maybe on top of each other, think about how to, they can be transported. So can you have different size boxes that you stack on top of each other, but then they actually mm. nest inside of each other to pack away and transport, mm. you know, to and yeah. from home. Another thing to be aware of is diff- markets will have requirements. Like they'll, some markets will require you to have a marquee. And if you have a marquee, they'll require you to have, um, what are those like sandbags to hold the marquee mm-hmm. down and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So make sure you read 
in detail mm. all the information they give mm. you about what are, is required because if you don't have it, they will turn you away. Yeah. Probably a good idea to have them anyway because you don't want to be that one oh, yeah. when it's windy that's like holding <laughs> the fort down. Been there, done that. Been there, done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bad. It's like wet everywhere. <laughs> Everyone's looking at you like this girl does not have it under control. <laughs> yeah. oh. uh, uh, before like because I know we're talking a lot like this is such an interesting topic. I'm like we could well, it's mm. good that we have another episode coming up but I know we're probably talking was the end of that one but i want to talk about the stock because it's probably yeah. one question that everyone's like how much stock do i take and it's a super stressful question and then the follow-up question is how much money do i take for change and like do you know how do i know how much to to take so what what's your take on that can i also say people will be like how do i take payments that's another yeah. thing attached to this mm. Mm. So decide upfront if you're going to only take cash, which in this day and age, I would not recommend. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would recommend that you have some way of taking a digital payment, even if that's just PayPal and you just put their card details in. But there's so many different ways you can take payments and get little machines that you can Mm -hmm. use. Like you don't need to get an FPOS machine from your bank. It's like the best time ever to go be a market storeholder. Yeah. Amazing! Get these little. You can get that square. Is it called yeah, square? square, yeah, square yeah. Or the PayPal reader. They're amazing. Yeah. Like they're so, yeah. it's so good. Um, and honestly, sometimes there also isn't an ATM next to where the market is. So, yeah. like when you go to the market the first time, suss that out too, because it's the worst when you can't actually tell to people, "Hey, there's an actual ATM just like." Sometimes if it's like in the school. Uh, backyard or whatever it depends it's kind of like that where i am and there'll be like no atm for like streets and streets so i'm not going to go and walk 20 minutes yeah. to get 50 bucks out and then come back by your stuff Even i'm just if it's 20 steps though you're still there's that's about yeah. to the customer yeah. buying something so reduce all the barriers if they have a card yeah. and they don't have they maybe they have 40 dollars cash and your thing costs 45 dollars. like what are you going to do you're going to want mm. them to buy it so you know ha- have that there for them so they can buy it straight away Mm. Yeah. Make it easy for your customers to give you money. Mm. Make it easy for them. So let's talk about the money. Um, so change, I don't know. I don't I'd, know. I'd have, <laughs> well, it's been so long, but you, yeah. you have to have, I you think, do have to have change. I think I used to take about $200 mm. as a float and I'd have. And what was the breakdown? Like 20s, 10s, 5s, depending on what my prices were, obviously. Yes. So I really tried. I always had whole dollar amounts, no messing around with any silver coins. Um, and in the end, I think I kept most things to $5 amounts. So I didn't need to even deal with many coins in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always run out of $5 notes all the time. I would always be like, mom, come and bring me some change. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that sort of thing is... Trial and error, but take more than you think you'll need. Mm. Yeah, um, for sure. Because it's not a cost; like it's just a it's just a float. Like you're not spending mm. money; you just put it back in your bank or whatever afterwards. Um, but yeah, it, it, it totally depends on your price point as well. Because mm. I had things that were like fifteen to forty five, sixty ish dollars. I need a lot of those smaller notes, so I needed the, t- mm. the fives and tens a lot, and then some twenties. So, mm. yeah, like I think I had maybe $40, $60. I don't know. Honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> but, yeah, the 200 sounds pretty good. I can't remember yeah. what Nick and I were doing. I remember how stressful we were trying to think about that, though, and we were mm. just like, okay, but what if we run out of this? And then I realized I was going to go with him and I could just run to the shop yeah. and just, yeah. you know, break <laughs> the note if I get some change. Yeah. <laughs> if you have someone with you, it sort of yeah. gets a little bit easier for that. It's more mm-hmm. annoying when you're alone and you're like, well, I can't go away and I have these big notes and, you know, 
Uh, but it's experience, I think, for that, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Another prep uh, tip, you need to work out how you're going to keep track of your sales. Mm. So if you're only taking card sales, it's kind of done for you because if you do it through PayPal or through Square or something, that will track all of your sales for you. Unless well, it will track, yeah. True, it'll track the amount, like the dollar amount. So mm-hmm. it won't necessarily track what it is. I strongly recommend you have some way of actually making note of what you're selling, whether that is you pre, you have a, a stock list and you tick off things as you sell them. Like you literally have a printed stock list and you cross or tick off what you sell, or you have a book where you make a quick and you have like a shorthand where you can make a note of every sale, um, every item that you sell. This is important for a couple of reasons. It's important one, just so you know, like what you've sold and what seems popular, but also from the theft point of view, if something is missing, you'll know that it's missing and you won't be like, where's that thing? And, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it happens that often. I don't know, Michaela, did it happen to you very often? I honestly don't think so. Um, (laughs) I did track my stock in the later years um, in in that way that you just suggested with a spreadsheet, but it was just, it actually wasn't a spreadsheet. It was me just writing down in a book, all of my products. And then I would just tally mm. them up next to it. I did use mm-hmm. to try and write them down as I went, but sometimes you just got so busy and then you'd miss, yeah. you know, so mm. try and make it easier for yourself, obviously. Um, mm. At the end, I was so gung ho on trying to like make an app <laughs> that would be like my point of sale. And then I realized one entrepreneur of mine, I love it. You're like, there must be an app for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. But so um, I'm still confident that I could create something better than what's available at the moment because they're all, anyway, that's it for another day. Shine. <laughs> so, yeah, look for an app. That's an option yeah, as well. Um, because there's a lot too, especially if you're selling like online in Etsy or Shopify or whatever. Um, yeah, you kind of want to sync up as well, maybe sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, which I guess you could do manually as long as you yeah. kept track during the show or well, during also the. Like, okay. if you only have, if you're taking stock to the store that you have online and then while you're at your stall, it sells online, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, if it's a one of a kind piece, so you, need you need to deactivate it. Yeah, exactly. So, you need to close your store. Um, or keep track somehow, you know, like that's mm, something that you yeah. need to keep in mind. But Definitely. in terms of theft, I don't think it happened to me very much, but I can't be certain. No, it never happened to me. But um, okay, so stock prepare, preparedness, preparer. <laughs> <laughs> How much stock? Enough <laughs> stock that if you like, enough stock that you can make your money back. I'd yeah, say. <laughs> that's a yeah. Fine. I would. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I would generally say enough stock that if you sold out, you'd be happy with the amount of money you made. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, that's not good enough if you're going to something like finders keepers. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like Canberra handmade, they don't like that. If you sell out, they don't like it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's great, but it doesn't look good, especially if it's in the first couple of hours and then you just empty uh-huh. for the rest of the time. So I think talking to other stallholders is probably a good idea in that regard. Um, make more than what you think you'll need. Again, I think it depends on the price point. Like if you have things that are over $100, then you won't need as many as if you're selling $20 things. I used to take like hundreds of necklaces because they're all $25 each and I would sell my gangbusters. So, yeah, I think it really depends for that one. Mm. Yeah, it's not an easy thing. Nobody can give you a formula that will tell you exactly how much stock. Um, I think what you're saying is true, like being aware of the type of market you're going to, this you should be able to. You should be able to find out from the market uh, holders 
the, the people who are putting the market on what the expected foot traffic is. Mm. And I think there are some equations around that. I don't know them off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, you can, you can. That's hard though because some markets yeah. won't have that. Like foot traffic is a, you know, finders, finders, keepers would definitely have like an idea. Well, they would know exactly how many people join mm. and and visited but smaller markets like the one in your neighborhood or your small village like they don't know that look at you going like food what <laughs> like oh, okay great but i think you know it, there's still formulas that you can use for um making sure that you're going to break even with the stock that you have if you were mm. to sell out or that you're going to reach the money goal that you have and the problem with that though is that those formulas will give you a number that's like oh you should make an average of like you know it's 35 products, but you don't know if you're going to sell more of the $10 one or the $100 one. And then that formula is also also telling you, you make that money if you sell out completely, which is highly unlikely because oh, yeah. you don't know if people are going to want the orange variation or the blue variation more. And so it's really hard to predict exactly what the, I don't know if I'm making sense. You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. What? It's very hard to predict. It's trial. Very and, hard. and that's why you need yeah. to have much more than what you think you need to break even mm. reach your money goal because you don't want to have an empty table mm. and you also don't know which item or variation is going to sell more of. So you, you really need to have more than what you probably think, which I know some people like can't do that, but sometimes it's like, Oh, I had this opportunity and I'm signed up for this Sunday. I'm not going to create 200 necklace before Sunday, you know? And then in that case, if it's a really cheap kind of, uh, opportunity, you can just go in going, Oh, well, I'm probably going to lose money on this, but it's a great learning experience. Um, but yeah, you can see what people like then, you know, like Mm. it's probably, unless you are already selling online and you can, and you know what sells well, you know, you know what your best sellers are. They make a lot of that. But if you're not sure what your best sellers are, don't make a hundred of one thing that you don't know if you're going to sell or not, Um, you know, make a variety of that item in a variety of colors so you can see what people actually like and then you can mm, yeah. more for the next time. I think I always made sure I kind of had double the amount of stock that would fit in my table. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. was just a general ballpark. Like I've got enough stock to fill up my table and then to fill it up again if I need to because mm-hmm. yeah, that was just a general for me rule yeah, so of thumb. I think that's a good rule of thumb for people who are in a, like selling a similar thing at a similar price point. But mm-hmm. again, for me, I would have everything out because I'd have it on racks where there was multiple necklaces per rack. So yes. mm. um, if I had double the amount, <laughs> it would be like the same <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, again, I think it's just so different. Depend- yeah. It all just mm. depends. Like there's no hard and fast rule, I don't think, for this. And it, it, I think markets do, you do need to think of them a little bit as a long game. Um, mm. like m- m- perhaps not years and years, but, you know, a few months of going and like testing what works and seeing what's going to mm. be appropriate for you and your products. Because if you just go once and it doesn't work out, you could really be missing out if you don't mm. try it again and, you know, test. and Yeah. Um, so the last point before we wrap up, I was just going to say when you're preparing for markets, I think a really important thing is to be flexible and adaptable Um, One last little anecdote, I remember I was going to the market one time and I was super excited because I could order a round table. So I did my whole visual merchandising based on this round table that I was going to get people to like be able to walk around it, this quite large, like 1.8 meter table. And I spent a long time. I thought you remembered it's a conference of it. Like it's 1.8 minutes. table. And so I had this whole cool like mountain type setup thing. It was amazing. Um, and then I get there and of course they didn't give me a round table. They gave me the standard two rectangle tables and I was like, Oh fuck, like that sucks, but I'm not going to let it ruin 
everything, you know, like there's no point and there's no time. So I just had to be flexible and adapt and then do my setup completely differently. And it was completely fine. But my main point being don't like, if you have practice to set up over and over again, and then you get there and you have to do something differently, don't let it like completely freak you out. Just roll Mm. with it. You just have to go with the punches and like be flexible set up however it is Mm. and that's just one example it might be other stuff you know maybe you're in the in a place where you don't think is the best position or whatever um Mm. which could be a whole nother episode because people really get funny about what position they're in um (laughs) but yeah be flexible be adaptable and just roll with it it's my Mm. last tip sure yeah I love this episode also because we're recording on a Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday. I know the last Saturday of the month, which, oh, but no, it's not. Oh, maybe it is this week. Anyway, I'm excited about going to the market tomorrow. Yeah. It made me want to like I hang on. the markets for on too. I think ours are in a week or so. I'm yeah. going to the Finders Keepers tomorrow, actually. Oh, guys. No. oh I'm so jealous. Yes, as we record this, it's on tomorrow in Brisbane. That's so, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, my God, you're going to take so many pictures, right? And I <laughs> Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll story it on my Instagram. Speaking of beautiful stores, like this is always like next level. It looks like mini retail stores. Like they're all mm. just so beautiful. Yeah, amazing. Oh, yeah. so much fun. Don't take too much money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always hard, man. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I, I'm saving up for my trip to New Zealand. I can't spend too much. <laughs> take <laughs> cash. Do it. <laughs> so you have a limit you're like this is all i have <laughs> okay so yeah good episode thanks ladies my co-hosts and thank you everyone out there for listening once again if you want to grab that market prep checklist that is the business of forward slash market prep and you can download that checklist to help you get organized for your markets i think our hopefully your main takeaway from this one of the main takeaways we would love to know all your takeaways just segue but anyway <laughs> one of the main takeaways hopefully is that you should just do it if you feel like you want to go and do a market just apply apply at a few different places go for it take the leap dive in see what happens just roll with it and hopefully it will be great um yeah so thanks everyone so much if you as we mentioned at the very beginning if you want to leave us a review that would be amazing subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use and you can visit our facebook page over at thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash facebook and tell us what your market experiences are we would love to know if you've been to a market if you're planning to go to a market if you're scared try to help me to understand that fear because i don't get it but do share (laughs) if you have any fears and hopefully we can talk you through it together thanks again ladies thank you everyone see you all next week Bye. Bye. Bye.